The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de church people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Well, just to make sure that everybody's clear, if you show up here next Sunday, you're going to be alone. Make sure that you come at 10 o'clock to the fairgrounds. You might want to get there a little bit early to get a good seat. Invite your friends, invite your family. It's going to be a wonderful morning, and you aren't going to want to miss it. Um, Yeah, so don't miss it. It's going to be great. (laughs) Are you familiar with Murphy's Law? I can tell by your chuckles that many of you are. The law that states that if something can go wrong, it probably will. Well, let me begin today by sharing some of Murphy's Laws for drivers. It begins with this. When you take your car to a mechanic because it's making a funny sound, the sound will stop the minute you get it to the mechanic's shop only to return again when you get the car back home. Here's another one. It will only rain the day after you wash your car. And one that's similar to that is that the cleaner the windshield, the greater the magnetism towards insects. If you're working under the hood of a car and you drop one of your tools, it will always roll underneath the car and just out of reach. If you're driving down the highway and your lane, you're in a traffic jam and your lane is stopped and you see another lane that is going faster and you move into that lane, that lane will immediately slow down. And if you go back to your lane because you see that it's sped up, it will slow down again. When it, something about you going into that lane. The later you're running, the greater chance that you will hit every single red light. The later you're running, the greater chance that the people in front of you will drive 10 miles an hour below the speed limit. And finally, the later that you're running, the greater the chance that you are going to encounter a detour. Now, I think I've had just about every one of those things happen to me recently. But I want to focus today on the last one, the detour. We've been doing a series called Unexpected Places on Sunday mornings and talking about the unexpected places that God reveals himself in our lives. Today's installment is the detour. Detours are not very fun, are they, on a roadway? They're frustrating, They can cause huge backups, and they can make you have unexpected delays, and they are one of the biggest contributors to road rage out there. But detours on the roadway, as frustrating as they are, are not nearly as frustrating as the detours we encounter in our lives. Those times where we are heading in one direction, and we have goals, and we have plans, and then unexpectedly, and against our will, we get rerouted in a completely different direction. And there's a big difference between detours on the roadway and detours in our lives. When we encounter a detour on the road, we usually generally get rerouted, but we end up back on the road that we were on and we can still get to our destination. But when we encounter a detour in our lives, very often 
we get rerouted, and there is no way back to the path that we were on, and the destination is no longer an option at all. Well, for our scripture reading this morning, we're going to read a passage that often gets read on Palm Sunday about the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem at the beginning of Holy Week. But as we will see, this story, the disciples, when they were experiencing this, they were about to experience a huge detour just after what we're about to read. So I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, to turn to Matthew chapter 21. And we're going to read starting in verse 1. Matthew 21, beginning in verse 1. Oh, by the way, we just got new Bibles. Um, Traven Marks, our office manager, was able to get some really cool Bibles. And if you do not have a Bible, we would love to give you one today. And we'll have them at Easter. So if you have a family member or a friend who needs a Bible, um, be sure to get one from us for the, um, at Easter. And we have them right out here as you exit today. Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road with others, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is God's word for us this morning. Well, we're going to get to the passage in just a minute, but before we do, I wanted to start by telling you about a young woman who had just graduated from college and gotten her first job in the big city. Three of her friends from college had also gotten jobs in the city, and so they decided to start a tradition. Each week, they would meet on Tuesday for lunch to discuss life and love and their transition into the working world. Well, this day began like all the others, but it it changed rather suddenly and in a huge way. It all began when a young man slowly approached the table. Now, the three friends all saw him at different times, and they began to look at him, and their eyes got wider, and they got a little smirk, anticipating what was going to come next. Eventually, the young woman noticed that they were looking and turned around, and the guy was standing right behind her. And he began to fumble over his words and say something to the effect of, I don't normally do this, but I would regret it for the rest of my life if I didn't. The woman found it charming. Then he finally got up the nerve and he said, I'd love to take you to dinner sometime. 
Now, the, the woman knew she should be coy, and she knew that she shouldn't answer right away, but there was something about this guy. And so she just blurted out, I'm free tonight. <laughs> now, her friends were stunned. She never did anything like this. She was always cautious around guys. What had gotten into her, they thought. Well, dinner that night couldn't have gone gone better. They were from different places, but they found that they had so much in common, and there was this immediate connection. So the evening ended with a kiss on the cheek and an invitation for a second date, which happened that weekend and went even better than the first one did. Didn't take long for these two to be, start spending all of their time together. Somewhere along the way, this woman realized that this was not just a normal guy, that this was somebody that she could see herself spending her life with. So she introduced him to her family, and she met his family. And, and both of the families had some dysfunction, and, they, and you know, they had some weirdness, as all families do. But amazingly, the two people still, after meeting each other's families, they still wanted to be together. Then one day, with one question, they entered into a much deeper relationship. The young man took his girlfriend to the restaurant where they had had their first date. He ordered the same meal, and after dessert was served, he got down on a knee and he said, Will you marry me? Well, the young woman answered this question even faster than the first question he had asked. (laughs) Yes! And she immediately began planning the ceremony in her head. (laughs) There will be tulips, no lilies, no roses, and the bridesmaids will wear pink. And on and on she went. Well, weeks and months passed by, and it seemed like an eternity, but finally, the weekend of the wedding arrived. And they threw a huge party, the rehearsal dinner in anticipation of the big day. And then on the day of the wedding, the bride woke up and it was just like any other day. Well, any other day where you were planning to get married, that is. She had her hair done and she had her makeup done and she made all the preparations and then got to the church and the guests started arriving and the piano player started to play and that's when it happened. The bride's brother walked into the room and said, We can't find the groom. In fact, nobody had seen him all day. They figured he'd arrive eventually, so nobody had made that big of a deal about it. But now, it seemed apparent that he wasn't coming. So the young woman, frantic and scared that something had happened to him, she called his cell phone. No answer. A couple minutes later, she got a text message. All it said was, I can't do it. I'm sorry, you deserve better. Devastated, confused, and hurt, the bride crumpled in the corner and sobbed. Now, anyone who has ever experienced this sort of disappointment knows how painful that it is. And if you've experienced this kind of disappointment, I pray that God brings healing and help for you to work through that time and work through that pain. 
this bride was experiencing a detour, a big detour. She had plans. She knew which direction her life was going, and suddenly, unexpectedly, it was rerouted, and there was no way to get back to the plans and the destination that she had in mind. Detours aren't fun. They can leave us with more questions than answers, and they can create just tremendous disappointment in our lives. Now, what does all this have to do with Palm Sunday? Well, I want to suggest that on Palm Sunday, Jesus' followers were about to experience a detour, an unexpected shift in their plans that was a lot like being left at the altar. They didn't know it yet, but their lives were about to take a completely different direction. Let's review their story. Much like the relationship that we talked about earlier, it all began with an invitation. Not, I'd like to take you to dinner sometime, but follow me and I'll make you fish for people. And they immediately began spending all of their time with this guy. I mean, there was something about him. There there was something about this man that just made them want to follow. And so they spent all their time with him. And somewhere along the way, they realized that this person, this Jewish rabbi named Jesus, was more than just a normal person, that he was somebody that they could devote their lives to. And one day, with one question... The disciples were taken into a much deeper relationship. Not, will you marry me? But it was the day that Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? And it was Peter, one of his disciples, who stood up, usually the first one to stand up and to to take the initiative, who stood up and he said, you are the Christ, or you are the Messiah, the anointed king, the one we've been waiting for. And when he said that, they knew their lives would never be the same. And so they began to plan in their heads this great ceremony, this great celebration that was going to happen where Jesus would take his throne in Jerusalem, where he would take his place as king. When they arrived in Jerusalem, there was a wonderful party. Not a rehearsal dinner, but this triumphal entry that Jesus had that we read about this morning. And as Jesus rode into town, the people went wild. They were excited. They laid their cloaks at his feet. They cut palm branches off and waved them in the air and put those at his feet. And they yelled out, Hosanna, which as Caleb said, it means save us. Save us now. There was so much meaning and significance going on. Jesus was being praised as both prophet and king, but the people had this great expectation that he was more than a mere prophet and more than a normal king, that he was the Messiah, the chosen one that would come and rescue Israel and bring about peace. The people called out and they called him son of David. Now, David was, was the great king of Israel that, that had reigned and as a youth had taken down Goliath in battle with a slingshot. And then later when he became king, God promised him that he would have a son. And through that son and through his descendants, there would be a king that would come that would have an eternal throne, a king that would reign forever. And the prophets that came after spoke of this king, this coming Messiah, 
That's who the people hoped that he was. And more than 500 years before Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, one of the prophets had this to say. I'll put this up here. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. This is the second to last book in the Old Testament. And here's what it says. Again, more than 500 years before Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You know, I learned something between services today. Um, Peter came up to me. Peter's up here with the worship band, but he's sitting down here right now. Uh, Peter came up to me and said, did you know that every donkey has a cross on its back? I said, no way. He showed me pictures. They do. They have a cross on their back. Just an interesting way that God um, has chosen to, to reveal once again his goodness. And um, I, I just thought that was really neat. Thanks for sharing that with me. <laughs> so everything about Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem from the shouts of the people to the fact that he was riding in on a donkey was just declaring that he was this chosen king, this Messiah, this one that was coming to save them, to rule forever, to defeat Israel's enemies. So there was reason to celebrate. But just like in the story we read earlier, the ceremony never happened. Jesus was never made king, at least not in the way that the people expected it to happen. The one who was supposed to reign on earth instead was arrested, put on trial, and convicted. This one who was supposed to be king was executed on a Roman cross. The disciples were left devastated, hurt, and confused, just like the woman in that story. But here's where the two stories are different. Jesus would not leave his disciples forever. And he didn't leave them out of fear of commitment, and he didn't leave them because he didn't want to be with them anymore. He left them because he had a far greater purpose in mind. He had a plan that was so much superior for his bride, the church. The people who lined the streets to praise Jesus had an idea in their head of what he was going to do, but their vision was too narrow. They had immediate and nationalistic hopes for him, but Jesus had eternal and universal plans for the world They were disappointed because they didn't get what they wanted, or at least what they thought they wanted. They thought they wanted a king who would sit on a jeweled and and ivory throne. What they got was a king who would hang on a wooden cross and wear a crown of thorns. They thought they wanted a great warrior who would defeat their earthly enemies. What they got was a humble servant who would defeat the world's greatest enemies enemy. They thought they wanted a nationalistic king who would save Israel, but what they got was a king who would save the world. When our plans don't work out the way that we want them to, we can be left with crippling disappointment. But sometimes, God allows us to go through detours in our lives because he has a much greater purpose 
and plan in mind, something greater than we ever could have imagined. Sometimes God changes our plans because he sees the whole picture. So what are the detours that you've experienced in your life? What are the disappointments that you've faced? Let me say this. It's appropriate to mourn when you lose something of great value, that, that hope and that dream, when, when that's taken away. It's appropriate to mourn, and in, in most cases, it's a necessary step to mourn the loss of that thing before you can move forward. But as we're mourning, and after we've mourned, we can take those feelings of disappointment to the Lord and know that He sees what we cannot see. So as I said, sometimes God enables us to go through these detours, these times of disappointment, because he sees the big picture. And that's what happened during Holy Week. The disciples had to go through this terrible disappointment in order to encounter the unimaginable joy and the new birth that came with Jesus' resurrection. But there are other times where we can experience detours that happen simply because we live in a broken world. We can experience disappointment because we've encountered something that's evil in our world. And if that's the case, know this. God is not unaffected by our feelings of sorrow and our feelings of loss. As you read through Scripture, you see that Jesus was very human and that, that Jesus, he wept when he saw things that weren't right. He wept at the tomb of his friend. He wept over Jerusalem when he saw how lost it had become. And I believe that he weeps with us when we encounter detours and disappointments because of the broken nature of the world that we live in. But Jesus doesn't stop with mourning. He also does something about it. He promises to work for the good in all of those circumstances. As it says in Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Seasons of disappointment, seasons where we have lived through a detour, enable God to work in our lives and reveal himself in ways that we never would have seen if we had stayed on the path that was our plan. So if you're living through a detour, if you're living in a time of disappointment, take heart. You are not alone. God is with you, and he is active and working even in the midst of it. And know this, disappointment is the precursor to new birth. Please bow and pray with me. Lord, we come from all different places and all different life circumstances, and there are people here who have just gone through a terrible detour, and today they are being able to see your goodness and your big picture and all of that. There's others that are living in it right now, and they can't see anything but the chaos around them. And there's others that are about to step into one, and they don't even know it yet. Lord, I pray that regardless of where we are, that you would reveal yourself in that unexpected place that you would show us that you are with us and that you are working and that you can bring peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-church people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. 
For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.